Mom, we often feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and inadequate when raising kids. But who you are matters. Mom Matters walks alongside you to inspire you with the hope of the gospel and a vision of motherhood so you can intentionally and skillfully foster your family, maximize your impact, and leave a legacy. Motherhood is messy. Impact is possible. And Mom, you matter. So welcome to the tribe. Hello and welcome to Mom Matters. My name is Elizabeth Green, your host, and today we're going to talk about in this episode how to create family bonding, five benefits of reading out loud. You know, sometimes it can be hard to find something to do as a family. I think of movies are expensive to get the whole family to go to a movie and you buy the popcorn and it can be $70 easily and there's no interaction with the family. So that doesn't really build a lot of family bonding. Traveling is great, but it takes time, vacation, money, effort. But when you get a good book, when you get a good book, you can travel to distant lands, you can find thrilling adventure, you could even go back in time travel and you can travel to a different era or to a different culture. And it doesn't cost you anything. You could take 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, and you can have this amazing adventure that your family can enjoy together. And you know what? The adventure waits for you. When you put the book down, You when you pick it up and re-engage, it's right there for you. So having a good book is a great way to experience adventure, different cultures, different times without having to leave your home. I think back when I was a child, some of my fondest childhood memories are of my mom reading books to me and my sister. And I remember at bedtime especially, cozying up on the bed and she had these Bible storybooks. We had about 10 volumes of these Bible storybooks. And I remember opening them up and the pictures as my mom would read all these various stories. I remember her reading to us and just the the warmth and the nurture and the love that I felt. We also read, I remember reading the Little House series. So we started with Little House in the Big Woods and moved on to Little House in the Prairie and then to Farmer Boy. We read the whole series. Those evenings at bedtime, reading before our bedtime prayers was an amazing gift and just a wonderful, warm memory that I had. We also took car trips. We lived in Wisconsin when I was growing up. We drove to Virginia every year to visit my grandfather. And on these car trips, of course, this was way back in the day before books on tape or books on CD or Audible and where you can just listen to uh, an author read the book. This is when we would take books. And I remember my parents would take turns driving and take turns reading. And we would, they would read and read and read until their throats were, were dry and sore and they could read no more. And some of the books we loved. Some of the books were fun. Some of the books I hated. I remember we read A Wrinkle in Time and I just did not enjoy that book at all. I couldn't wait for that book to be over. My dad loved this book called The Black Tanker. And it was more of a guy-oriented book than a girl-oriented book. But I survived and I remember as a teeny bit bored, but at the end it got very exciting. And then the book sort of redeemed itself. But then probably the first time I ever encountered The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was in the car on this car trip. And I remember Lucy walking into the wardrobe and entering Narnia and the adventure that awaited, awaited them in that book. 
And so these adventures and these books are an amazing way for our imaginations to explode with delight as we encounter different characters in different lands and different adventures. There's a poem by Samuel Gilliland, and here's what he says in this poem. It's a little short four-line poem, and he says, You may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels and coffers of gold, but richer than I, you can never be. I had parents who read to me. And I agree wholeheartedly with him. I am so grateful that my parents took advantage of time that we had and created and carved out time to read to us as kids. So I would propose lazy, the lazy, hazy days of summer are a great time to grab a good book and grab a fam the family and read. I like it because usually the typical September to May activities are not going on in the summer. The schedule looks different, and sometimes it's easier to capture a few more for a few more minutes to read than you might have during the school year. However, during the school year, I do recommend taking 20 minutes, maybe right after dinner, before people scatter to their homework and, and reading together. It is a great bonding experience to do together. In fact, I feel like, I believe that if you don't read out loud, you really are missing a great opportunity to create memories and quality time as a family. So it can provide just tons of delight and entertainment for you. And you just give your family this treasure and this shared experience as you grab a story and you enter into it and you read it aloud. So for the next few minutes, I would just like to talk with you about the benefits of reading aloud. I'm super passionate about this. I love literature. I love what it's done for, for me as a person and for my heart and soul, but what it's done for our family. So there are certainly more than just five benefits of reading aloud, but I'm just going to settle for the scope of this podcast today on five benefits. The first benefit is that it increases vocabulary. As your kids hear new words, they, they can understand what they mean in context, even if they've never heard it before, they don't understand what it is. They can hear how the word is pronounced and it grows and enlarges their vocabulary. One example of this is Charlotte's Web. I think I first read that book to my girls when they were maybe in kindergarten and second grade. And I was stunned. I didn't realize what amazing and rich vocabulary was in this book. I actually sat with a dictionary and wrote down some of these words and wrote down their definitions so that I could grow my understanding of these words and how they're used. And so this is one thing that you could do together as a family is read it on a Kindle where it is so much easier to just tap on the word and see what the definition is and create a vocabulary list and make a fun game as a family. Let's use these word in context. See who can use the word of the day and who could use it correctly and, and grow vocabulary as a family, grow in richness and shared, shared language as a family. It could be a fun activity to, to enjoy a good book with rich, rich words. Another benefit of reading together is that it creates better writing because your, your kids learn how to put words together. They hear good writing and when they hear well-written sentences full of description and well-structured, they become better able to create their own sentences that are good too. This is how the masters 
uh, I think of painters, and this is how they they became good painters, is they would go and they would paint and copy what a masterpiece that they would see. They would they would copy a painting and they would learn how to how to how the good painters painted, and then they could paint good paintings as well. And this is what we can do as writing too. It's the same concept as when we see good writing and experience good writing and read good writing, then we can produce better writing ourselves. Think of, I want to share an example of this, and this is from the book of Island Boy by Barbara Cooney. Listen to this paragraph and the description that she uses. When the house had been banked with spruce boughs and the firewood cut for winter, the bitter cold came. Matthias would wake with the tip of his nose like ice. The window panes frosted over and the wind whistled in the chimney. Sea smoke hung over the open water. Then the children would crowd into the steamy kitchen, learning to read and write under Ma's fierce eye. Isn't that amazing description? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, you can feel the cold. You can sense the sea smoke hanging over that open water. And you can feel almost the tension of the kids in the kitchen learning to read and write with Ma watching them with her fierce eye. So beautiful writing creates an amazing picture for the imagination and helps kids become better writers themselves. It provides hours of entertainment because there's tension in the plot. There's a villain to defeat. A hero is striving to overcome a problem and we're, we're rooting for this hero to, to, to win. Stories can inspire us as we watch our hero display courage or bravery or perseverance or struggle in some way and finally conquer his challenge. So there's entertainment that we get to enjoy as we enter into these stories. The fourth benefit of reading is that it really does promote bonding as a family. My husband, several years ago, read The Hobbit to our girls one summer around our fire pit. We would go outside after dinner and roast marshmallows. And as the sun was setting, it would get darker and darker and the fireflies are starting to come out. And we would read until he could literally see no more outside. And we've got great memories of this adventure in the reading The Hobbit, being outside in that, in that environment in our backyard. I think of also the time when he read the story of Louis Zapparini. Oh, what was the book? Unbroken. We read Unbroken. I think we read that during the winter, um, snuggled up in our, our family room with a fire in the fireplace. It's a story about Louis Zapparini. He was captured during the Japanese in World War II. And it's this amazing story of survival, resilience, redemption, not a story for young kids, but a really amazing story of his struggle and his release from captivity. It promotes bonding as well because it creates a common language for you to talk about something as a family. And you all immediately know what you're talking about. I think one example is in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan, things were starting to happen in, in Narnia. And Aslan was, is on the move is how they explained it. Think good things were starting to happen and shift. And Aslan is on the move. And so when something was good about to happen in our family, we could say, you know what? Aslan is on the move. If we sensed God working behind the scenes, Aslan is on the move. 
we all knew what we were talking about because we'd shared this, this book together. We'd shared this literature and we knew what that statement meant. That description was so much more vivid than just describing, I think God's moving. I think he's working behind the scenes. All we needed to say is, wow, look at that. Aslan is on the move. And we knew what that meant. The other day, in fact, I think it was yesterday morning, I take a spoonful of this liquid supplement. It's this amazing thing for cellular health. It's made of muscadine grapes and it's it's bright red as a result. And so I was in the kitchen and I was shaking up my bottle and I poured it into my spoon and I, I took my spoonful and I said, mmm, rum punch. My daughter had just come downstairs and she started laughing. She knew exactly what I was referring to because we had read Mary Poppins together and Mary Poppins does that with her, her medicine. And again, it's a, it's a shared moment that we can laugh about because we know exactly what we're looking, what we're, what we're talking about. We read another book and it was a book called Mrs. Piggle If you have not encountered Mrs. Piggle it is an old classic and I highly recommend it. Mrs. Pigglewiggle helps mothers with her cheeky children, her children who have are, are misbehaved. And Mrs. Pigglewiggle comes in and she finds these really creative solutions to help these disobedient children uh, come around and, and, and make right choices. The kids love her, the mothers love her in this book. There's one child who's very rude to her mother. And when her mother asks her to do something, she says, I'll do it because I want to, but not because you told me to. And the mother just cannot figure out how to deal with this child and her rude behavior. So Mrs. Pigglewiggle has her by a parrot. And the parrot begins to copy what the child is saying. And so the parrot begins to say that to the child, back to the child. I'll do it because you want, because I want to, not because you told me to. And the child hears the parrot talked to her and she becomes so appalled by her own behavior that she quits doing it and she's cured from her rudeness. And we read that chapter and my kids just laughed and laughed and they thought it was the funniest thing. And even to this day, sometimes I'll ask them, hey, would you, you know, take out the garbage or would you do this, this chore, something that they don't want to do? And they'll look at me with a smile and they'll say, I'll do it because I want to, but not because you told me to. They're not being rude. They're not being cheeky. We've shared this, this story. We've shared this, this funny book. And it's this bonding experience that we have that no one else shares with us. But we've got that because we've read the book together. So reading creates these wonderful bonding moments and inside almost jokes that you have with your family. The fifth thing that reading does for us is it promotes thinking. Reading is so good because we can read a story and as events are happening and unfolding, we can begin to ask, what do you think is going to happen next? And we can anticipate it. Or if we read some foreshadow, uh-oh, what do you think that means? And we can stop and consider what might happen in the future. And sometimes we disagree. We One person thinks one thing and the other thinks another. So then we have to keep reading to find out what what is the right answer? Did anyone have it right? Or is there a twist in the plot that we don't anticipate coming? It's also a great way to develop family discussion because you can look objectively at the characters, the choices that they make, the actions that they take, and you can discuss them. We can ask, you know, what did this character decide to do? And what were the consequences of that action? How did it impact the other people in the story? A great example of this is in the line in The Witch in the Wardrobe where Edmund acts selfishly and he puts his siblings in harm's way. 
It's a fantastic way to look at selfishness in a family unit and the impact that it has on others. Edmund put himself in danger too for his selfishness and had to be rescued ultimately. So this is a great way to objectively look at another situation, to peer into another family group and consider actions and consequences. We read Number the Stars. That is a fantastic book. It's set in Copenhagen, Denmark during World War II. And one family helps another family who is Jewish escape from, the, from Copenhagen during that, that wartime. That, again, that book provided great discussion around what does it look like to love your neighbor? What does it look like to risk for someone else, to risk for a friend? What does it look like to display courage in the face of danger? So books provide a great opportunity to promote thinking and to promote family conversation. So how can you get started? I'm going to give you five ways to get started. Number one, choose quality literature. There are a lot of books out there, but books that have strong vocabulary, a well-designed plot line, characters that serve as role models are a great way to pick good books. And you know, the hero might be flawed. We're not looking for a perfect hero because we're looking for people like us. People that are heroes that are flawed, but we can watch them grow and transform as they take this journey in the story. Two books that I want to recommend as ways to get started. One is called Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt. She, and then the second one is also by her. It's called Honey for a Teen's Heart. So if you think, I don't know where to get started to find really quality literature, the first half of these books, she just creates a, a vision for reading together as a family. It's a fantastic vision casting time. But if you skip the first half, which I don't recommend, I recommend you reading it. But the whole second half of the book are book ideas, book ideas by um, age and by genre. You know, if you love animals, here are great books for you. If you love science fiction, here are these types of books. If you love fantasy, here's a list of books. So she has an amazing bibliography in both of those books for teens and for kids. So I definitely recommend Honey for a Child's Heart, Honey for a Teen's Heart by Gladys Hunt. Here's another way you can get started. If you have a, a you know four kids and you've got quite an age span, I would pick a book to, toward the older end of the of your kids and something that is appropriate for a five-year-old, maybe a little bit beyond them, but something that's still that your oldest kid could enjoy. And actually really well-written children's literature is going to be fine for a five-year-old, but also interesting for a 15-year-old. One such book is Trumpet of the Swans. Oh, such a fantastic book. Great storyline. I think I first read it to my kids when they were in kindergarten, but the vocabulary is rich enough and the plot line and the storyline is, is really so well written. I think that's also by E.B. White that a 15-year-old is definitely going to be engaged in it. And you will too as, as an adult, as a parent, as a mom or dad reading that to your kids. I suggest read, read aloud for 20 minutes a day. Read one chapter. Read if it's summertime, you can read right after lunch, maybe right before nap time or after dinner before bedtime are some great times to read. Sometimes I stop in the middle of a chapter or at an exciting point 
so that we'll want to jump into it the next day. And everyone's like, no, no, don't stop there. You keep going. Nope, we're going to stop here. And that way we're drawn back into the story and, and everyone wants to draw in. Snuggle up on the sofa. Snuggle up on the sofa together and read. Or if your kids don't have an attention span and you want to work on that, you know, it's okay. Get out some coloring. Get out some Legos or cars or Play-Doh. And while you read, the younger kids can learn to listen and play quietly. That too develops some skills. Everyone's together. They're learning how to play quietly with a little self-discipline, but they're also listening and they're gaining some of the benefit of reading together. You know, I thought our, our reading together out loud days were over. My, I've got a one daughter who just finished her freshman year at college and another who just finished high school and they're working now in the summer. And I thought maybe last year was our last time to read together. We struggled to find a good book that we all enjoyed last summer. It took us quite a while. We finally succeeded and got a great book. And this summer, my daughter came home from college and in the midst of the work schedule, she said, mom, let's squeeze in some reading time together. And so we did. We found a good book and we're squeezing in moments to, to read. Yesterday, we went outside and they tanned and I sat in the shade and we read a chapter or two before we had to go on and do our, our different things. But I know that my kids are going to look back over their days at home and they're going to remember our reading the books we loved, the books we hated, the books that enlarged our hearts, inspired our souls, and carried us to places of truth, beauty, and goodness. So mama, grab a great book and join the adventure of reading aloud. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Mom Matters, because moms equipped with vision and skills create a life of influence, impact, and legacy.